Good evening, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Scarlet and Gray podcast. I am Tyler Johnson. Before we get to our guests this evening, um, Nick Lazier and Jordan Dalton. Nick Lazier will not be um, on the show for the next couple months. He is a assistant for varsity basketball this year, and season's getting ready to start, so wish him the best of luck this year. But our regular co-host as well, Jordan Dalton, he and his wife are – currently at the hospital awaiting the birth of their first child. So he is not available tonight. Um, definitely hoping the best with, with everything there for them at the hospital. But I am joined by one of the co-founders of Network 216, Mr. Jacob Roach. Jacob, how are you doing this evening? Dude, I've got cats, cat ears on and a Browns Victory Monday t-shirt before they even <laughs> play a game. So I feel fantastic. Let's roll. I love it, man. I love it. Before we even get into anything tonight – Real Browns fan 32 says OH. I, uh, yep, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot to talk about this evening. Before we do, we do want to make sure to take just a minute to get a word from our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. What's up, everybody? We know that we know that daily fantasy never stops, and Network 216 is proud to be a partner with Underdog Fantasy. Very simple to use. All you have to do is go to Underdog go to underdogfantasy.com and you will just click the sign in button. You'll create an account if you haven't done so already. If you've not created an account, it'll ask you to enter a code. Enter code 216 and they will double your first deposit up to $100. Underdog Fantasy live draft lobbies that you get to compete with you and your friends. It's no salary cap like DraftKings and FanDuel. You get to go to a draft lobby, pick the players you want or you can do daily pickums which give you access to all the nfl and nba games for you to make your picks every single night again go to underdogfantasy.com or use the underdog fantasy app on ios or android use code 216 to double your first deposit up to 100 sign up today and Jacob, before we break down Ohio State and Penn State, there's a lot to get into with that game. I just want to remind everyone that's watching on YouTube, or even if you're watching on Facebook, if you could go over to the YouTube channel and just take a second to subscribe to the channel, it's free to do. It helps us out tremendously, but also drop a like on the video. That really helps us grow the channel for more regions than just Columbus, Ohio, just Ohio in general. That way we can promote Network 216 nationally. So if you guys could just take a second to do that, We'd really appreciate that. And, man, it was an interesting weekend for Ohio State. Uh, we went to Penn State. We knew going to Happy Valley it was going to be a test. The Buckeyes struggled. The Buckeyes struggled, I would say, through three quarters of this game. And that fourth quarter, they just completely blew the doors off Penn State. I mean, Jacob, what were your initial thoughts? Before we get into some stats, what were just your initial thoughts from this game? Because third quarter, end of the third, I have to admit, I was nervous. Yeah, it felt like I've said this quite a few times about the Cavs too, where the Cavs have kind of got, come out in a lot of games a little sloppy out the gate. And I mm -hmm. thought that's how Ohio State's offense was kind of out the gate. Their, their offensive line wasn't really moving anybody in the run game, not really creating some openings. And I know there's some injuries there with Mayan Williams and some stuff that, that went on in this game. But it just felt early like Penn State knew exactly what they had to do to have a chance to win and we're doing it 
And Ohio State kind of struggled, I thought, at first to make kind of some adjustments to what Penn State was doing. And then you get to the fourth quarter where it seems they just randomly decided to make a bunch of adjustments and just ended up blowing the doors off of them. But I got to say, when you're looking at this, and I had a conversation with my dad earlier, this game, you look ahead to Michigan now and you're starting to say, oh, that's not going to be an easy one. Like we always hope it will be. And I think this was that kind of that blueprint uh, to how do you slow down Ohio state and Penn state had the perfect game plan and they executed it for three quarters. Yeah. And I, I talked about it on last week's show and I wasn't saying that this is like, this is what's going to beat Ohio state, but Iowa did a really good job at pressing our corn at pressing our wide receivers. It was just one-on-one. And that allowed you to bring your safeties down more and fill against the run. And you saw that again on Saturday. Joey Porter Jr., I mean, he had four tackles, but he was matched up a lot on Marvin Harrison Jr., Julian Fleming. Ohio State was struggling a little bit. Um, C.J. Stroud wasn't really getting the big shot down the field until the fourth quarter that we saw. It what He was kind of just dinking and diming it down the field. A lot of questionable play calling. The running game really didn't do anything either until the fourth quarter. What did you think about C.J. Stroud's overall performance in this game? I thought that he didn't take any risks early. And and that can be good and that can be bad, just depending on kind of where you're at, you know, in the season, where it just it felt like there was no, I don't know, sense of urgency to really press things. Like it, he was okay with kind of going through his reads and taking what the defense gives him, which is not a bad thing. I'm not angry at what he was doing, but there he just didn't seem like, like we see this more and more. He doesn't want to run. Like he does not want to run in any yeah. situation, which is still crazy to me because the first siege, and you can tell me if you think something different, but the first mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, uh, highlight that I ever can remember seeing was like a 60 yard touchdown run. And in like, it, 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 it's just like man. yeah. And it's like, he's got it there. And, and there was opportunities here where they were man coverage against these wide receivers trying to take it away where he, and you know, this an athletic quarterback against man coverage is, is not a good position for defenses to be in. And he mm-hmm. didn't really try to make them pay with the leg. I thought it was fine. It wasn't a Heisman performance until later in the game. I thought he, I'm not angry about it necessarily, but it just felt like early on Ryan Day and that offense and CJ Strouds in particular were just kind of content on whatever plays out in front of them. They'll take it, but they're just not going to press. Yeah. And the thing with CJ Stroud, and I talked, and I talked about this a lot last week too. I, I love CJ Stroud. I do. As far as him eventually going to that next level, that NFL level, the one thing CJ Stroud struggles with. And you see, you do see it a lot with college quarterbacks just because everything is so scripted a lot on offense. You're looking to the sideline for them to change the play if the defense is lined up a certain way. You're not having the quarterback do it. One of the things about C.J. Stroud that he struggles with, and we saw it on Saturday, we saw it against Iowa, when things break down, he is not a guy that is going to really make a play. Uh, now, okay, now let me rephrase that. He can do it. He's not a guy that's consistently proven, though, that, that that he is able to do that. Like Bryce Young, the debate between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young does not have, in my opinion, the overall arm inaccuracy that C.J. Stroud has. That's my personal opinion. As far as overall, though, Bryce Young is great off script. He's great when he can make – when he has to make a play. 
That's what Stroud lacks right now, and that's going to be what's going to hurt, might hurt us against Michigan coming up, maybe even against Maryland, because we have to go to Maryland on the road, and they're 6-2. and two. So that's my biggest worry with C.J. Stroud. Are, are you a little bit worried about him moving forward? Because this is a guy that, again, he doesn't – and it really frustrated me on Saturday because we're going to talk play calling. We're going to talk about Ryan Day's play calling. But there were certain plays where – Dude, if you check it and through a slant, you have eight yards to Mecca Buka. You have eight yards to Julian Fleming. Instead, he just goes with the call, runs the ball, like, and we gain a yard. So what are your thoughts on how C.J. Stroud is managing this offense? And that was kind of something that I was going to throw in there at the beginning, talking about not taking risks, and then it just kind of slipped my mind. But it, it, it definitely looks like no matter what the play call is, he's going to go for it. And I understand to an extent that that's that view of things like oh, my coach wants us to do this. I'm going to do what I was told that sort of thing. So I can get it to an, a certain extent, but you're getting to the point right now where you're being talked about as the number one draft pick. You're talked about as the Heisman front runner, which I think he should be um, in, in terms of what he's doing this season, not necessarily the projection um, between him and Bryce Young at the next level. But it, it does concern me a little bit that in some of these bigger games, he takes a little bit of time and and it's just like we i mean i can't hate to keep bringing this up but it just reminds me of the cavaliers in the first four or five the first six games of this season where now they you have come out sometimes like ohio state firing on all cylinders but at sometimes it's just like nah they were okay in the first half or they were okay in the first three quarters and then all of a sudden they started hitting all their jumpers and they started throwing the ball deep and they started being able to take chunk plays like when henderson breaks that run that's when it really broke open it was once the the run game i think could really start to open things up for cj stroud and that sort of thing it just seems Mm -hmm. like sometimes he relies on those around him more than leading and having them rely on him and and I think CJ Stroud's a fantastic quarterback. I'm I'm ready to go throughout the rest of this year. It but it does concern you. You go to Maryland, you go to Michigan, you go play Georgia, for example, in the college football playoff, or however that shakes out. And you've got a team that can smack you in the mouth defensively and potentially score on the other side. And you just wonder how long is it going to take CJ to get going? Is he going to be able to check when things get tough? If Ryan Day makes a play call, but he sees something, can he take advantage of it? Does he have that ability? Does he have that confidence? I just worry about early game stuff with him um, kind of moving forward. But, you know, I think we're kind of on the same page there. Mm -hmm. And you kind of talk about getting smacked in the mouth. And I thought Ohio State really got smacked in the mouth there. It was it took it took place about that second quarter. That is when you saw Mayan Williams leave the game with an injury. Mayan Williams had two carries for nine yards and a touchdown. Trayvon Henderson performed well in that fourth quarter. There's no doubt. Are you a little okay? I'm trying to I'm trying to think of how to word this guy. I don't know if I'd say worried, but Mayan Williams has been a huge part of this Ohio State offense this year. And shout out to my co-host Jordan Dalton for saying that Mayan Williams was gonna be an X factor in this offense because I completely laughed at him and said he wouldn't because of Trayvon Henderson. So shout out to him for that. How do you see this offense moving forward? Because mine Williams and Travion normally split, split carries. Travion Henderson is not the power back that mine Williams is. If mine Williams misses significant time, how big of a loss is this for Ohio State's offense? 
I mean, I attune it to the same thing last year when the Browns lost Kareem Hunt. I mean, it just – because I understand, like, this year they're not using him as much, but that's very similar to what they're doing down there at Ohio State. You know, there looks a lot like the stuff Chubb does this or Mayan does that. You know, it's same thing, comparison between the two. And you just remember such a drop-off for the Browns offense. And it's like there's plenty of players out there. You know, Trayvon Henderson is a very good running back. They've got the wide receivers. They've got the offensive line. But I just remember Mayan, Mayan Williams early this year just kind of, I don't know, blowing some of these games open, kind of kicking yeah. the door down and, and just being that kind of – that kind of intimidating force, especially in the second half against some like tired defenses and things like that. I, I think he's, you can never lose a player of that caliber and be like, nah, we'd be all right. Like, you know, if, if he's not there for Michigan or he's not there for the big 10 title game, I'm not saying that they won't win, but I'm going to feel a ton less confident if he's not out there. Yeah. Mayan Williams, to me, and the way it seemed like all year is that with Mayan Williams, this offense seems to be more in sync with him on the field. He seems to add something that once he is there, the offense plays better, like runs the ball better. I don't know why. I really, I really don't know why that is. I think overall in Real Browns Fan 32 brings up the offensive line has to get figured out. I do agree they do have to get figured out. I'll say this. Ohio State's offensive line statistically, though, has been one of the top offensive lines in the country. But I do agree. I do agree they need to get that figured out. But Mayan Williams is a huge loss for this offense. Like, And, again, hopefully it's not long-term. We won't know because Ryan Day just doesn't talk about injuries. I've never met a head coach that will never update injuries. Like he just Like with Jackson Smith and Jigba, the one thing about he was like – he was asked for an update. He said, well, we're not going to update you on him this week. Like, okay, you're really not – like, thanks for letting us know. But, I, I again, Travion Henderson can handle this backfield, but he's also battled his own injuries this year. You have Dalen Hayden. Outside of that, you're really lacking depth. And that's and that's where it starts to get a li- just a little bit worrisome for Ohio State. But the one – side of the the one side of the offense that you don't have to worry about whatsoever I would say with depth and that's the wide receiver position and I think it's safe to say I don't even know think this is going out on a limb I don't really care that he's only a sophomore I think we can say that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in college football I mean this is a guy who so far this year well just against Penn State 10 catches 185 yards didn't score a touchdown but 18.5 yards a catch but this year, his statistics are just off the charts. 48 catches, 783 yards, 10 touchdowns, 16.3 yards a catch. What have been your thoughts watching Marvin Harrison Jr. play? I mean, Joel Klatt said it against Iowa that he thinks within five years, he will be not even the best like best rookie receiver. This will be the best receiver in the NFL in the next five years. He is like, he's got everything. Like, you know, I know that's like a tired old thing to say when you talk about a wide receiver you think is really, really good. But, like, I just think that when you watch him out there, you don't have any concern. Like, when C.J. Stroud throws the football and you realize it's going to 18, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you're like, it's fine. It's going to be fine. I don't care. And that's who it's going to. And it's just going to be like, all right. 
cool. Yeah, he's going to catch it. I, I think the thing for me that really, really, I think, epitomizes what you're trying to say about how good he is, is that touchdown catch that he had and now I'm blanking was that last week or the week before he goes up in the air I think it was against it was against Iowa I believe yes, or yes, no, yes. actually either Iowa or Michigan State we had yeah. that incredible catch where I know he what leans back about. and like in the air just rotates his body around reaches back and still is able to like it's just you go watch that play and you tell me how many people can do that and that's where you start the conversation of how good he is because that is like the epitome of what he can do. That's the top, you know, pinnacle of what he's been able to do so far. You go, well, that's a top play. Who can get their top play anywhere near that? He just makes these plays over and over again where it's just like you see those memes like, oh, F it. He's down there somewhere. That's who Marvin Harrison is. Like, I mean, he is like I remember his freshman year obviously just happening, but I remember like his first catch, right? Like, yeah. like last year, I remember him catching it, and at the time, Olave's there, and Wilson's there, and Jack, Jackson Smith and Jigba is really starting to come on, and and you just kind of like, oh, there's Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, oh, wow, we got, you know, Ohio State's got that too? Like, that's, he might be okay, and it turns mm-hmm. out he's probably the best of all four of them, and those other three that's dudes incredible. aren't chums. Like, no. like <laughs> they're not chums at all, and it's just like, I cannot say, like, what what is it that you want a wide receiver to do that he can't do? And that's that is the conversation. He does everything. <laughs> and I think that's the conversation. I don't know if you necessarily where you sit on it, but well, I mean, I guess you did, I do because you said you think he's the best one in college football. But it's just like this is the kind of dude. Like I said this over the weekend about the Philadelphia Eagles that their missing piece was AJ Brown, right? And they went and they yeah. got AJ Brown, and now that offense is stupid. It should not exist. This is that caliber of player that completely can change the outlook of your offense and what it can do. And it's just, he's him, I guess. He really is. He, again, not saying this is who he is. Calvin Johnson was 6'5", 237. Marvin Harrison is not as big as him. But as a sophomore, mind you, as a, only a sophomore, hasn't even been in an NFL weight room. He's 6'4", 205, and he's just mossing people. It's, it's, tr- it's just truly incredible what he's doing, and you bring up a really good point. This entire wide receiver, it's not even just Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you look at the rest of the wide receiver, and you have Emeka Buka, who very surprising the quiet game he had. I mean, he's been fantastic so far this year, but he only had six catches for 53 yards, and then you have, of course, had that big one at the end of the game to really seal it for Ohio state, but 47 catches, 788 yards, seven touchdowns, 16.8 yards a catch. And again, this is all without Jackson Smith and Jigba right now. You have to make a prediction right now, because I I think it's a given barring injury. We're going to knock on some wood there because we don't want to ever even think about that. But do you see Marvin Harrison jr.? or a Mecca book, just one of them winning the blinker off award this year for the best wide receiver in college football. I mean, where's the competition? Like, 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 what do you No, I'm not saying there's not anybody out there. Like I, I know that sounded really, really bad on my part, but like, I can't think of anybody. So like, if I, 
when I look at like those type of awards, I want to take the scarlet and gray glasses off and, and kind of step back and look at it. And so what I look at it is from a national person's standpoint, is there any wide receiver talked about Nat on the national stage like he is? Like like Harrison is. I I don't believe well, I'll say this. Jordan Addison oh, from yeah. USC, he's he's pretty huge. I know he's been battling injury, but he won it last year. He's got Caleb Williams. He might be out of it now just due to injury, but I mean, either way, I would. I don't say know what the numbers really, are. I don't know what the line is right now. But if you've got fifty bucks, put it on Marvin Harrison to win that award. <laughs> and here's the thing about that too: Emeka Boca could win it too, and it yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Like, it, it's remarkable just the overall talent that you have. And again, real Browns fan thirty two says wide receiver. You, yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, you see, you see what Chris Olave is doing in the NFL, and he wasn't even supposed to be the team's leading receiver this year. For the Saints and this dude's just destroying defensive backs and Garrett Wilson doing the same thing, even though he has one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. That's what I was going to say too. <laughs> Ryan Hartline just continues to put out talent. It, it's just remarkable, and we haven't even gotten to a guy who we talk a lot about the Browns. He's so underrated, and I'm telling you, this guy is there on day on day two. I am sprinting to the board. Julian Fleming's another guy who I think is going to be a really special NFL player. And his biggest thing at Ohio State has just been staying healthy. But this you've seen him come on in recent weeks. He didn't do much against Penn State. He wasn't really featured a lot against Penn State. A little bit of a surprise. 6'2", 205. Another just incredible overall player. What are your he thoughts can on move. Julian Fleming? Yeah, I mean he's he's huge for a wider. Like, what are your overall thoughts on him? Oh, sorry. I mean, because he's kind of the unforgotten guy in this offense. It, it, so he's really like he's this interesting play. This has happened to me a couple of times, like with uh, over the years with Ohio State players, where like somebody else will grab all of the spotlight, and you kind of forget about somebody once in a while. And Fleming's kind of been that guy who just kind of. You know, like we said it before, Olave, Wilson, all these guys, you know, uh, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, of course, coming into this year. And Fleming's just kind of still there. You're just like, you know, this mm-hmm. guy is just kind of around whenever it seems like whenever you hear his name again, it's usually in some kind of high pressure situation. He does not seem to crack under the pressure. He seems to be the kind of guy that like if you want to lean on somebody when you need to play bad. It really feels like he can be the guy to make it. Um, it is interesting because he kind of reminds me, usage-wise, of David Njoku, where you keep going, why aren't you just giving this guy the ball more? Like, yeah. And I get you got these other guys. I do. But, like, have you ever had a game that featured Jordan Fleming, uh, Jordan Fleming, that ever featured him and you were just like, oh, why'd you do that? No. No, you've not. It's been fantastic. He's, he's been really good this year, especially coming back from injury. I, ever since he's come back from injury, he's looked really good. But I think the unsung hero in this offense, and I'm not just saying this because um, I went to the same high school as him, but the the guy that we have nicknamed Farmer Gronk, Cade Stover, has just been fantastic for this Buckeye offense this year. And he makes, to me, forget, forget all the receiver talent you have. When you add a tight end that can do what Cade Stover can do for this offense – it makes this offense to me uncoverable. And I said this about two or three weeks ago. If this Ohio State offense can end up winning, winning a national title, 
I firmly believe you're talking about this offense rivaling that LSU offense that had Burrow, that had Edwards Alaire, Thaddeus Moss, Terrence Marshall Jr., Jordan Jefferson, Jamar, Jamar Chase. You would have in this offense Stroud, NFL first round pick right there. Travion Henderson probably be a first round pick. Mine Williams will be drafted. And then all the receiver talent that you have and Cade Stover. I mean, I, I think it would be close to rivaling it. What have been your thoughts about the Buckeyes tight end this year who has just surpassed all expectations? Like, I, I think that this photo is a perfect example of it. I just think he's terrifying. Like, like anytime he's out there on the field, I'm like, I'm not hitting, like, and obviously I'm not hitting anybody, but like, if I was on that field, even as a bigger person expecting to try to hit, like, I don't want to hit him. Just like you talked about with Gronk, like Gronk's was the same way. I think that's why it's a really nice comparison because you're just like, like, I just can just remember Gronk in his prime. And it was like, get in the ball in open space. He's not going to make people miss. He's just going to run over all of them. And I feel like that's exactly what Stover does. And it's like he he has some fine tuning uh, that needs to be done kind of uh, in the block in terms of run blocking. But he's got the skies and the size and ability there that I think he just needs like a little bit of like a little bit of refinement on his technique there. But I think he's the kind of tight end that you take and you go, okay. Give him a year or so in the NFL and around all of these other guys, and he is going to be a star. Like he just I remember I remember playing against I remember the Notre Dame game. And I think he catches like a pass like early on in in there. And so they start talking to him and mm-hmm. talking about him a little bit. They're just kind of like oh, there's Kate Stover. They like him a lot here at Ohio State. And you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, I remember him. Just nothing really jumps out in your mind about it. And you're just like, oh, he's been... And then all of a sudden you're just like, it's the same thing with Fleming, man. Like they've got all these guys that you can just lean on in these pressure situations. And Stover's just like, I, I mean, this is why you keep going back to Gronk. Just remember what Gronk did in his heyday with, with Brady. Oh, you need eight? I'll get you 11. Like that's just who Kate Stover is. And it's like, he might not be running a go route like Kyle Pitts or something like that, but like he's got all of the tools and it's just, there's just, you can just, we can do this all night with with these guys on that side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cade and the thing about Cade too, 6'4", 255 pounds. This was a kid who came into Ohio state and was recruited to be recruited to be a defensive end. First and foremost. So that's what he came in as in high school. In high school, because saw it up close, he played, I mean, everywhere. So he's played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, safety, linebacker. D. I mean, he played everywhere. They just had him give him the ball every time, which makes sense when you have that type of athlete. But Ohio State comes here. They put him at defensive end. Doesn't work out. Move him to linebacker. Well, my bad. I think they actually moved him to tight end first. They didn't like that. So then they move him to defense. He plays linebacker in the Rose Bowl and plays very well against Utah. What do they do? Jeremy Rucker goes to the NFL to play for the Jets. They move Cade back to tight end. And this is a kid who they voted a captain. And it's just kind of, his story is incredible because the odds that you're going to be able to, it just says more about this entire coaching staff itself. They've moved all these guys. Tommy Eichenberg, former D-end. To linebacker, stud linebacker now, steel chambers from running back to linebacker. It just goes to show about this entire coaching staff. I mean, we can 
complained about play calling from time to time, but Ohio State develops talent with the best of them. And the fact that you can take athletes like that and just move them around, there aren't many teams in the country that can do it that easily. So, yeah, K just adds that dimension that just takes everything to a new level. And it's pretty incredible being able to watch him do all this. But like you said, he's not a guy you want to tackle. He, he's just, he's not. And he's got the arm. And again, the comparison's awesome because one, he's a big time farmer uh, with Stover Farms in Lexington. But the arm brace, the Gronk arm brace is what really takes it to the next level for me. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah, and that's part of it, too. That draws my attention where it's just like I don't like tackling dudes with big, giant arm braces. For for anybody that is uh, watching right now and is curious, uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa inactive tonight. So there you go. And, and Perrion went free. Healthy scratch. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. But we're not here to talk any more Browns. Talk about <laughs> Um, before we move on to the offense, I just, I mean, to the defensive side of the ball, I just want to read off some quick stats here, uh, from the Ohio state offense. So quarterback CJ Stroud in this game was 26 of 33, 354 yards and a touchdown. Uh, like you said, he was very safe in this game, 10.7 yards, uh, per attempt. Trayvon Henderson, 16 carries, 78 yards, 4.9 yards a carry and two touchdowns. I figured he had more carries than that. So that surprised me a little bit. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> 10 catches, 185, um, 18.5 yards of re- reception. Cade Stover, six catches, 78 yards, and a touchdown, average 13 yards per reception. Um, Abeka Buka, seven catches, 53 yards. Julian Fleming, two catches, 27 yards. Um, anything else on the offense that you really want to talk about before we move over to the defensive side of the ball? No, I think we, I think we pretty well kind of hit on everything that I had, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, on the defensive side, though, I'm not even going to start with the obvious. I'm just going to read off some stats, and then we'll really dig deeper into this. So, on the defensive side of the ball, it's kind of an incredible stat seeing it because I didn't realize this was true, but he is always everywhere. Tommy Eichenberg had 15 tackles in this game, including 10 solo tackles. So, I I mean. What are you going to do? Dude, he's incredible. He reminds me of Pete Warner, who's currently playing for the Saints. That's mm-hmm. who he reminds me of. I think if Tommy – and I said this, uh, I've said this before. If Tommy Eichenberg, if they switched him over to linebacker to begin his career, like knew about that switch, we could be talking about an all-time great mm-hmm. at, at the linebacker position for Ohio State. But some other stats here uh, for the Buckeye defense. Steel Chambers, nine total tackles, five solo Latham, safety Latham, ransom, seven seven solo tackles. Um, I'm going to skip a guy for a reason because we're really going to talk about him. Ronnie Hickman, six tackles, two solo. Denzel Burke, five tackles, uh, four solo. That was a little surprising to see. I've been very, very strong about Denzel Burke and his performance this year, but he had graded out the, as the uh, seventh highest Buckeye, according to Pro Football Focus, at a 69.3. So, You'll take that. But overall, we're going to get to – you know who we're going to talk about here in a minute. But before we get to the star of the Buckeye defense on Saturday, what were your thoughts on the defense's overall performance? You know, it, it, it's one of those things where it, it's so interesting to watch perception on both sides of the ball because it was kind of one of those things where, you know, Penn State was playing this great defense. And and so 
they were holding down, you know, massive Ohio State and doing all these things. And then on the other side, it was just like, well, this Penn State offense is kind of struggling to find their footing a little bit. And I always find that really funny that one side could be doing a completely different thing. But the offense needed to get going, like we talked about it. They were slow, out the gate, kind of a little sloppy here and there. And the defense was like, like this is true team football. If one unit is struggling, the other unit has got to find a way to help them, you know, to spark them. And and I thought that the defense did that, especially one particular performance we'll talk about here in a little bit, a little bit where that really sparked it there. But it was like, yeah, Penn State scored a little bit. They got close, but were you ever really worried that Penn State could score enough to beat Ohio State? Like, I, I wasn't per I wasn't personally. I will say when I saw some of the plays that we were giving up, I'm like, oh man, is this gonna be and that se- that second quarter is when I got I'll admit I started to get worried because I'm like, okay, the tackling wasn't great. We're giving up big plays. It's not something we'd be doing all doing all year. I mean, for the most part. And so I was a little bit I was a little bit worried, I'll be honest. Yeah, and and I think that there's reason to be concerned because they did, in fact, have like we are used to sometimes here in Ohio, some poor tackling, and 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 they do let up a lead late, right? They go up what twenty one sixteen, and so like that is in the second half they are taking the lead, and that can be a little bit worrisome. So like I I, t- I totally understand that, but I just I felt like that comparatively for what they were facing, they were facing a better offense than I think people give Penn State credit for. And I thought that overall it was good. Maybe at times it was great. And at times the tackling was bad and and, and everything. But I do think once Ohio State's offense started to feel themselves that the, that the worry just went away. They, they were opportunistic too. Opportunistic hitting those turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in real Browns fan 32, I agree with you. 21-16, I got a little worried too. But like you said here, uh, it took CJ Stroud three plays to get the lead back. So we'll take that. But I think, Jacob, it's just incredible to me. And it truly is. And we've talked about this pretty much every single week because it's really hard to comprehend the fact that Jim Knowles comes in here yeah. And that with pretty much the same players, I mean, outside of one transfer he brought in from, from Oklahoma State with them, this is a top three defense right now in college football. And people can talk about the, um, the lack of competition, whatever you want to talk about. There's a tremendous improvement that's been done. And, it's not, and Jim Knowles has not even been here for a full year. And he's transformed this defense into a defense that teams don't want to play against. When you played against Ohio State in the past, you knew Ohio State could outscore anybody. Regardless, mm-hmm. like you knew that. That's what Ryan Day was known for. The defense was where they lacked. And now, when you have an offense like this and a defense that can play the way they do, this is a team that can beat anybody, that can compete with anyone and win a national championship. Even with key injuries. Like, like JSN, like, and I get it. Marvin Harrison really, really has take stepped up, but out the gate, he goes down out the gate. And and we did not realize that we knew Harrison could be this good. We just didn't really, I guess, at least maybe I didn't, I didn't think it was going to happen this quickly with, with, with Marvin Harrison Jr. I, di- I didn't realize it was going to happen. I didn't realize that 
Smith and Jigba would go down and it'd be like, no, man, we got one better. Don't worry about it. Like I didn't, I did not know that would happen right away, but you know, you know, Henderson's missed time. Now Mayan Williams is missing time. Your best wide receiver, second best wide receiver is missing time. And it's just like, but at the same time, because this defense now is able to pick them up the offense up when they need it. Dude, what do you like? That's what Alabama does. Like, if we're talking about being a powerhouse in college football, that is why Nick Saban is the greatest of all time. Is because he can have such continuity and 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 um, balance, such balance on his roster. And it's it's uh, Jim Knowles, man. Just give him all the money. It's all right. Just give it. Yeah, he's he's been incredible. And again, it it takes you to the next level. Mm-hmm. We're trying to defend Ohio State now. Before like we wrap up, and we're going to have some fun here with some college football uh, playoff picks as the selection show is Tuesday. Before we do that, we have to talk about the overall star on Saturday. And I'm going to botch this name. I'm going to attempt to pronounce it. Kid was just an absolute stud. That's JT <clears throat> to a Malala or whatever, Malaliu or whatever. Okay. Anyway, you guys know who I'm talking about. Number 44 was absolutely just fantastic for the Buckeyes. And there's really, there's really no other way to put it. I mean, his stats, six tackles, two sacks, a fumble recovery, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, two interceptions. He returned one of those interceptions for a touchdown, graded out at a 93.6. I mean, <laughs> is he the next great defensive end at Ohio State? I know that, that before the season began, we gave our breakout players. Nick picked JT. Um, so great to him for picking he's that. Ha- he's feeling pretty but good right now. He is doing pretty good right now. I will say, like, it's taken him a little while this year because we thought this is a guy that's going to hit the ground running, become one of the best ends in college football. Is Saturday where we really start to see him just – put those consistent efforts forward now or do you think this was just one of those just one of those performances and after that he might just end up being kind of a average player what are your thoughts the the one downside to this monster of a game is that if you don't do nearly the same next week it might be still good but people are gonna be like oh well it's not that good but it this is in my and you can correct me if you think that think otherwise to me, this is the single most dominant defensive performance by an individual that I can remember ever at Ohio State. Like, I'm talking A.J. Hawk, Bobby Carpenter, Chase Young, the Bosa brothers. All of those guys are great. But when has anyone put together this kind of performance? Like, all three interceptions were because of him, two of which were in his hand. The other one was the tip that you that you referenced. Yeah. I, go look at his first interception. I thought it was a corner. And then someone was like, oh, it's the defensive end. And I'm like, it's who? Are you kidding me? The dude is out there playing corner. He's out there playing outside linebacker. He's out there playing, you know, edge rusher. He's more of along the lines of like a TJ Watt style rusher. I think he's more of an outside linebacker type rusher, whatever you want to call it. But the dude did like, what do you want? He stripped that ball, right? He knocks mm-hmm. that ball away. He goes face first into the offensive lineman's butt, falls down on his butt, turns around, and recovers the fumble. Yeah. Are you freaking kidding me? 
And then to, to salt it away, that interception where he just fully uses all of the his long arms, his frame, his athleticism, that was not a bad throw. That was what Clifford should have done. And he, the problem is there was a superhuman freak on the other side of the field. Like, I, I can't go watch that tape and say, yeah, that was just kind of uh, not a great performance. It, 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 it was a fluke. No, man. It was because this dude is a monster. And I, I just think that it's going to keep going up. Yeah, I do too. I mean, absolutely incredible talent that Ohio State has. Former basketball player. He even wanted to try and play basketball at Ohio State. I think uh, – Ryan Day has kind of talked him out of that a little bit, but absolutely amazing performance tonight. I have to agree. I can't recall personally. I know that Chase Young might have had some games where his sack total was nuts, yeah. but as far as you're talking the overall stat line that he had, I've never seen it. Really in college football, I mean, maybe Clowney had it one game yeah. because there was a game in college where Jadavian Clowney was just unreal. and we Because like three or four that. touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean – I think that might be the only situation, though, where I can think of that. But, I mean, JT was absolutely fantastic. We do want to take some time to talk about the college football playoff because the rankings come out on Tuesday. But before we do, we do have to make sure to take a second because we want to hear from our partners with Homage. What's up, guys? We've been talking about Homage for a really long time, but... I can't get across how comfortable the products are. Like this is literally the softest hoodie that you'll ever have. And it's not just about, you know, comfort when it comes to the style. It's, it's effective as well. It keeps you warm. I mean, look, this thing is not, it's all vintage looking, but it's looked like this. I've owned this thing for five years. So you got Ohio State, you got the Browns, you got the Cavs, you got the Guardians. They've got everything to have you covered all year long for all your Cleveland sports. I know the Victory Monday thing is a little, uh, a brutal this year but but you know we got all kinds of awesome designs you got to check them out we'll put a link there's always links in all of our episodes in the descriptions and sometimes in the comments as well they're the best on the market man you need you, you i don't even know what to say anymore but go over there check out homage today go cats so Jacob, the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday. I don't think we're going to see any huge surprises here. I think the top four is pretty self-explanatory. It's hard to tell, though, with the committee. Um, it seems like they've always had an SEC bias, at least. And again, I just it's always how it seems, always. I, I don't really know why that is, but the AP rankings, just to give an idea on the top ten here, we have Georgia at one. Tennessee and Ohio State are tied for number two. Michigan, four. Clemson, five. Alabama, sixth. TCU at seven. Oregon, eight. <laughs> USC, nine. And UCLA, yeah, USC at nine. And UCLA at 10th. So your college football playoff rankings, who would you put at five and six as of right now before we get into the top four? So the important part about this is I'm looking at it and I'm trying to think you, you talk about the, the playoff rankings almost always having something kind of weird to them. So just like out the gate, I kind of think that they might flip Michigan and Clemson because they just, I think that there's a lot of affinity out there for Clemson. And I'm not saying that I think they're better than Michigan. I just think that looking at this, how like it's pretty, 
if you look at the AP points, it's not that close. But I, I just I think that maybe some of Michigan's wins a little early on weren't as pretty. And I'm not saying that means anything, but sometimes it does to the early rankings. So if I'm at five and six, I'm going to say it's, I think it's almost what the AP has, and that's Michigan and Alabama. Okay, Michigan and Alabama. Yeah, for five and six, one's tough for me. It's a hard one. I I think, man, I don't even want to say this because it it pains me to say it, but I just know how the committee is, and I get – I think if yeah, I think it's I am not gonna do it. I was gonna say I have Alabama ahead of Clemson, but I just don't think that'll end up happening. So yeah, I think you're gonna have Alabama at six, Clemson at five. Clemson, they keep winning, man. I I, I don't think Clemson's schedule so far has been good outside of NC State. NC State has been a very solid team so far this year. Well, and they okay. Let me rephrase it. Actually, Clemson has played a little tougher schedule than I thought. I mean, because Syracuse mm-hmm. is still ranked. NC State's still ranked. Okay. Okay. I – you know what? I'm going to switch this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for real going to switch this. Uh, Michigan to this point, I had them in the top four. I don't think you can at this stage. They really haven't beaten anybody outside of Penn State. Yep. They haven't. I think with Clemson, they have played a stronger schedule. Why they're behind Michigan, I'm a little surprised by that. So, you know what? I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to have, let's have uh, Alabama at six, Michigan at five. And as we go into the top four, who, what order do you have this in for the top four? I think, I, I think the AP has it right right now. Um, but you have to give a two and a three designation. So you can't do two and two like they are right now with uh, Tennessee and Ohio mm-hmm. State. And I just think Tennessee's played a tougher schedule. I, I I don't know that they're better than Ohio State, but in terms of – so what's really funny about that, but between two and three, it really doesn't matter if you're two or three, you're going to play each other. Well, I guess exactly. the new playoff format is we'll, – we'll change that eventually, but you're going to play each other. Two and three is going to play each other, it does, so it doesn't really matter. But I, I think it's Georgia just because when you're the defending national champions and you've looked the way they are, I think you've earned that. You know, they do, Nothing has changed that makes me think less of them than I did when the year started. Tennessee just seems to be more impressive. I really think they've been a really good football team. And, and if their quarterback wasn't like 60 years old, like we'd be talking about him somewhere in the first round. I think he's. I think Hooker's a little bit older, but I think he's still going to go pretty early. Um, yeah. I, I really like that. Yeah, Hooker's 24 years old, transfer from Virginia Tech. Uh, Jordan Reed, who is an NFL draft analyst for ESPN, does great work over there. He was saying teams aren't really looking so much at age anymore, and he thinks Hooker could end up being a first-round pick. So okay. good point there that you make. I will say about Georgia – the reason, and I'll give mine in a second here, the reason that I have an issue with them being number one is that game at that they had at Missouri. I just don't see how, given how Ohio State's played, given how Tennessee has played and the teams we, that they've beaten, how you can go and have Georgia as number one. I get Georgia hasn't lost, but when you go to Missouri and you need a fourth quarter comeback in order to beat a team that's barely 500, to me, 
it's tough to have them as number one personally. I get they are the defending national champ. I'm not taking anything away from them in that regard. But you destroyed Oregon. I'll give you that. Oregon's ranked eighth, so that could be helping a lot. You played Samford. You destroyed South Carolina. It took you a little while to get by Kent State at home. It that was not an easy game for them. So that one's tough. They did blow out Auburn. Auburn's not good. They blew out Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's not good. Beat Florida. Florida, I'd say, is average. But then if you go in and you just and you look at Tennessee, in Tennessee's schedule, I mean they beat Ball State, nothing there. Pittsburgh is going to be a solid team in the ACC. They're going to be bowl eligible. So I think Pittsburgh, that was a solid game. It was a ranked game at the beginning of the year. Tennessee blew blew the doors off Akron. They beat they beat Florida barely, destroyed LSU, who is now ranked 15th. I think that goes a long way with the committee. Alabama, you beat Alabama in a shootout, which was, to me, the most incredible college football game I've watched. It was so fun. That's probably the most incredible college football game I've watched since I was – Oh man, how old would I have been? I was only, I think, seven or eight years old, and Ohio State played Miami in that 2002 national championship mm. game that went into double overtime. I had strep throat. I was violently ill. I had to watch it the next day. But I fell asleep. So, I was 11. <laughs> even so, man. I mean, it was just incredible. And then Kentucky, okay, they're not ranked now. Kentucky was ranked when they went to Tennessee. Yeah. And they, blew, and they played a good game. They absolutely blew the doors off Kentucky in the first half. Now, Saturday, this Saturday, Tennessee in Georgia, at Georgia. That's Now, that'll determine who's truly number one. But for me, I can't go with Tennessee. I mean, I can't go with Georgia at number one only for that reason. But at number four, I think you got to put Clemson there. I think that's more than fair after just talking things over. Look at their schedule. The ACC is better than I thought it would be. I normally give the ACC a lot of crap for them being very, <coughs> excuse me, very average or mediocre. They got some talent this year in the ACC, so all of them at four. At number three, and this is not me being a Buckeye homer. I have Georgia at number three. Again, I can't justify putting Georgia as one of the two best teams in the country when, again, they have not been that impressive. And I'll tell you what. Unless he proves me wrong on Saturday, Stetson Bennett is not a good quarterback. He's a great story. He's a great story for being a walk-on. Yeah. He doesn't have the same attitude as a certain quarterback that used to be a walk-on. Um, but Stetson Bennett is a guy that has good talent around him and yeah. is able to make the smart plays. He's not going to blow the doors off by any means, but he's not a great quarterback. I think that's going to hurt him this year because this Georgia team is not as talented as it was last year when they won the national title. So I have them at three. I have Ohio State number two. Ohio State, you could make the argument Ohio State could be number one. You could make that argument. But I just don't think the game against Penn State, if they went into Happy Valley, and let's say they won this game 52-10, to 10, then that makes their climb for number one a lot higher. But they didn't do that. It, it was close until the fourth quarter. Outside of that, you struggled a little bit with Iowa in the first half. Outside of Penn State, you haven't had a tough schedule. I know Michigan State was supposed to be good. Dave, that's an abysmal situation. Yeah. Tucker is in. Notre Dame, they did beat Syracuse, so that makes Ohio State look better in that regard. But Notre Dame, they, they have not looked good so far this year. 
So that's something to keep in mind too. It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation there. But Ohio State two, Tennessee number one, and I think ten- them beating in man, real Browns fan and I agree a lot here. But I I agree with this. Tennessee beating Alabama gave them number one. Yeah. To me, it did. And when then again, when you have Kentucky coming. And Will Levis, who is an NFL draft prospect, probably going to be a first-round pick, even though he does not impress me whatsoever. Um, Don't let Christian hear you say that. Uh, well, if he's tuning in, uh-oh. Oh, I'll hear – I'll see it in the comments. <laughs> He'll blow you up. Well, I'll, I'm just being – like, I just don't yeah. see anything that really impresses me with him. But when Kentucky goes there, I was expecting Kentucky to be competitive because Kentucky has been a really – a really solid football team all year, all year long. They have. They played some tough schedule. They played a tough schedule. They have lost a game at home to South Carolina. They didn't have Will Levis in that game, so I believe that contributed to that. But again, Tennessee just blew the doors off. And you have Hendon Hooker. You have um, Hyatt at wide receiver. This team is just so loaded, man. And this offense is has the fastest tempo in college football. On third down, they slow it down so they can get the right look, and then they can capitalize on you. They go for it a lot on fourth down. I think on Saturday they said when they converted one, that was their 15th fourth down conversion. I mean, this is a team that goes for it. I love tennis. I love what Tennessee is building over there um, with Josh Hupel. I love what they're doing. Um, it's great to see them back for the sake of college football. That was one of the premier programs. When Philip Fulmer left, they've been searching a long time for a coach, and they finally got it. But, yeah, so Tennessee for me, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan, and Alabama. Okay. So it's, it's going hey, to be a fun game on Saturday, man. That that Georgia-Tennessee, and it, it wouldn't even surprise me if ten, given Tennessee's offense, mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is going to happen. It would not surprise me if Tennessee went in there and beat him by double digits. It really wouldn't because I don't think Georgia's offense can score like Tennessee's can. Not, and no, I think that's a Tennessee. problem. Mm-hmm. I think that's a problem. So, yep. We you. haven't really talked about it much and about this week's Ohio State game. And, guys, that's not because, like, we're just ignoring Northwestern. They got one win this year. Mm-hmm. It's not the old Northwestern teams that we've seen under Pat Fitzgerald. I'm not really sure what's going on there mm-hmm. at Northwestern. I think he should have left when he had the opportunity to get a really good job, but it was his choice. He's an alumni of Northwestern, but they are one in seven this year, uh, seventh in the Big Ten West. Their quarterback is Ryan Holinsky. He's a transfer from South Carolina, and I mean, if you can't start South Carolina, he is. He's got fifteen hundred yards, Jacob, fifty-seven percent completion percentage. He only averages six point five yards in attempts, uh, six touchdowns, six interceptions. Evan Hall at running back might be probably one of their more impact players. Uh, he has 579 yards rushing on 4.3 yards of carry, uh, three touchdowns. And then, yeah, I'd say it's I'd say it's Evan Hall because he also has 461 yards receiving. So he's a guy they really want to get the ball to. I think Ohio State can shut that down. Are there any? Do you have anything else you want to comment on about Northwestern? Again, there isn't really much I can. I can say, and that's not because like I'm trying to underestimate them. It's just there's not a lot there. There isn't. I mean, they're one and seven. There's not much to really talk about. One and seven is one and seven. Like, mm-hmm. don't look ahead. Show up. Play your game. You'll be just fine. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And um, we do want to end the show by making our overall uh, predictions for this game. So again, this game is at Northwestern. 
So it's going to be fun. I think I think it's going to be a fun game, like at least for Ohio State's offense. I think this is a game that C.J. Stroud can really use to boost his Heisman candidacy. So, Jacob, it's not really a question if Ohio State wins this game. The question I want to ask you, and I like to always ask every week, does Ohio State cover? The reason I ask if they cover, Ohio State in this game at Northwestern is favored by 36.5 points. Oof. That's a huge spread. It, to, we don't normally see that unless you're playing like an FCS opponent or a Mac school. This is a Big Ten opponent on the road. 36 and a half. Ugh. My dog weighed in. He 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 th- he doesn't think they cover. I think they'll cover. I think they'll cover. Okay. Yeah. What's your what's your score predi- what's your score prediction for this? I game? think they'll drop a 50 burger, so let's say 52-10. Okay. All right. I like that. I actually like that a lot. Okay. This is going to be kind of an outrageous one. I don't know if I've ever predicted Ohio State to score this many points, and I could be oh, proven, no. I could be proven completely wrong. I think Ohio State won. I think they are going to cover um, handedly. <laughs> Ohio State's going to score 63 points on Saturday. Oh. Yeah, they're going to score 63. Um, I think this final score of this one is going to be – uh, 63-24, and the reason Northwestern gets 24, they're going to put in – Ohio State's going to put in their backups early in this game. And as we see with some of these games, you see that we tend to give up big plays in these situations when our backups are in. I think that's how Northwestern ends up getting their points. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a demolition derby. I I, I, it's going to be fun. I didn't see the comment. I didn't see the comment over here. Real Browns fan uh, said fifty-two to ten. Then asked if I stole his answer, and said that I am sus. That is actually true, though. I am pretty sus. <laughs> yeah, real Browns Browns fan thirty-two. We don't. There's before we say things, man. We don't always necessarily look at all the comments. So nah, he didn't. He didn't steal it. I, I'm, it's probably a I'm common prediction sus. this week. Yeah. So. But hey, as we wrap as we wrap things up, guys, I want to thank everyone for tuning into this episode, the Scarlet Gray Podcast, episode eleven. Um, once again, hope to have Jordan Dalton back with us next week. We'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, first and foremost is the health and safety um, of his family, as his wife. Um, at, like I said before, um, he and his wife are in the hospital expecting their first child. That's first and foremost. So he'll he'll be back on the show whenever he is available once again. Um, but Jacob, really appreciate you uh, hopping in tonight, man. Uh, let everyone know where they can find you, and also um, the other shows that you are a part of. The 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 things here, yep. It's it's at the Rochism thirteen, so R O A C H I Z M one three. I do tweet about Ohio State sometimes, but they're very generic. Um, I'm not creative <laughs> at all, so don't don't go to my Twitter feed if you want to see that. Uh, you can read my, you can read my stuff at Dog Pound Daily that uh, I cover the Browns over there. Uh, for our website, um, I will be writing about the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, pretty soon. Actually, tomorrow morning will be my first piece on that. Um, I'm also on uh, the Barker Brown show. I won't be on there tomorrow, but we're normally on there Tuesday at eight um, on the network here, as well as I agree, go Cavs, uh, which will, um, we have morning episodes drop on Wednesdays and then live shows either Friday or Saturday, depending on when their schedule is. Awesome. Awesome, man. Again, appreciate you joining us. Everyone that's been tuned into tonight's show. If you're on YouTube and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the channel. Again, it's free. And what this allows you to do is you'll get, 
you'll be able to see whenever our shows go live. We have a Cavs show, Ohio State, Cleveland Browns. In the future, we'll have Cleveland Guardians back. At some point, maybe a Blue Jackets show as well, Columbus Crew down the line. You never know. Um, so a lot of content there. But also, you get to enter exclusive giveaways that we have available only on the YouTube channel. So want to make sure you drop that subscribe button. Um, if you're on Facebook and you're commenting and joining us from there, feel free to subscribe to the channel as well. Again, it's free. And then you're entered into giveaways that we have only available on the YouTube channel. But also, everyone that tuned in tonight, go to the channel and just drop a like on the video. That helps with the channel grow a, a lot. So all you have to do is go drop a like, and we, we, we would really appreciate that. Um, this has been the Scarlet and Gray Podcast. I want to thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. And go Buckeyes. Woo! Oh, my God.